This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Welcome back to Wildcat Dojo Conversations. I'm still your host, Sensei Michelle, and today I am with Sensei Jackie. Hi, everybody. We lost Landon for the second time. Actually, that's because we're recording on the same day, but hey, who's figuring that out? And he's off having fun, but he's being replaced by Sensei Bernadette, a very fine person, a black belt in her own right, and a student of Sensei Jackie's. Say hi. Hi, Sensei Michelle. Hi, Sensei Jackie. It's very nice to be here this evening. And we're so glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited. So am I. We're continuing our discussion of the Guidelines for Self-Analysis. That is a page out of Peter Urban's book. Just in case you didn't listen to the last episode, you can see it on our webpage at Wildcat Dojo, and then click the uh, Wildcat Dojo Conversations link, and we have a, a picture of it so you can read it. But I, of course, suggest that you buy and read the book, which is awesome, called The Karate Dojo by Peter Urban. So the next section of self-analysis that he, well, he did 18 characteristics. I mean, I'm only going to tackle four of them in two different podcasts, so it, it can get talky, especially if you're talking to yourself. <laughs> so move, moving into this first one, he begins with one called that folds under point fighting, that will fold in Ju Kamite, and then it goes to loses control and is self-controlled. And I want to say, as my personal caveat here, that there are two kinds of people who enter the dojo. The ones who love to fight and just can't wait to get on with it, even though they don't know anything about it yet, and they fight without inhibition. And then also those who do fold constantly. Both end up growing and both take different paths to get there. But his simplification of somebody who always folds under point fighting implies to me that anybody who... um was rambunctious and overconfident, didn't make it very long in that dojo. <laughs> I wonder if that's true. I wonder if that is true. Plus, the fact, the intimidation factor, Peter Urban was such a strong fighter that I would think that most beginners would have folded just by his, his aura, his energy. I don't know. Maybe somebody will let us know how it was back in the day. Oh, huh? I'd love to know. Anyway, my experience with this transition alludes to the need to compartmentalize emotion. Emotions is the thing that makes you overreact in spontaneous situations. And I think even when we were in the last episode, we did discuss a little bit about uh, Jukamite, which is soft sparring or controlled sparring or point sparring. It is not knockout karate. That's what it is not. But sometimes somebody hits somebody a little hard and sometimes somebody hits somebody a little accurately on the cheekbone or something and it gives you a sting. And they, there can be an anger component or a... I hope my eyes don't tear up component yes. to it, right? Something that flares up inside you and you didn't even know it was coming. All of those things are distractions. And he doesn't mention distractions when he has his chart of folding, losing control, and then gaining self-control, which we did that whole podcast on self-control, so we don't need to stay on this that long. But it all stems on learning to control the distractions that your brain wants to jump to in kind of like a trip hammer, right? This then trips that thought and you get distracted over in that thought. Meanwhile, that person's hitting you again. I, I can remember so clearly, I was a purple belt. It was outside. We were fighting in, in the dark. But I mean, it wasn't dark, dark because there was the moon out and stuff. 
and we were on a hill and the guy was fighting was taller than me. So two things happened. One, I realized to get on the upside of the hill and stay on the upside of the hill. So it wasn't so short. And two, even though he hit me hard, I did not get mad. And that was the first conscious time that that happened to me was that I stayed focused on just how to fight rather than manage the anger. And I was, I just remember it honestly so clearly. It was one of those epiphany moments. I'm wondering, Sensei Bernadette, when uh, you started fighting, if you had any of the experiences I did, not so much like Sensei Michelle where she was controlling anger, but controlling how you thought you looked, how you thought you were, am I good enough a fighter? Um, did you have any of those feelings? I had one experience where I actually got hit pretty hard and I lost my breath. And my big concern was just get myself together, catch my breath and move on. But it was difficult because it took the wind out of me. Oh, yes. And I had to return to fighting and not be temperamental to the person I was fighting. But Which is exactly what we're saying. Exactly. You know, you uh, have to manage that emotion. And that emotion, it takes all kinds of forms. And even when you think you have it under control, one will pop in that you didn't see coming after you're very experienced at controlling them. Oh, yes. Right? And it's not just in fighting. It's in driving. (laughs) (laughs) I use driving a lot, but that's where we are today. We are in cars, going places, being frustrated by traffic. So it's definitely in driving. And it's definitely in Dealing with one-on-one people, could be bosses, could be co-workers. Someone explained to me that where they work, they think they do so much more than the other people in the room. And so that if there's a huge boulder on this person's shoulders to try to constantly get perspective back and make it about the job and not about the anger because the other people really don't work as hard. So that's another place where you're going to manage that, right? And I'm sure you've seen that in the workforce, too, because you are a working woman. Yes, I have seen it, where most, you know, a lot of the people carry the load, and some people don't. (laughs) So where Peter Urban says, folds in fighting and then loses control, I've always put those two together and said, either fold inward or lash out irrationally, and both of those are non-productive, where... Our entire podcast on self-control said, you know, self-control is a superpower, folks. Get with it and be happy. That's right. Right? So to finish it up, there's this really magical balance between efficiency and spontaneity. And that makes life smoother with a better flow line. And that's what we are all aiming for, where we we can work as, as efficient as we can And yet, when things happen, it doesn't mess us up so bad that we just fly off into some crazy distraction, right? That's right. When I talk about this to my students, and I'll talk to Landon about whether we can make this into any kind of graph, I don't know if we can, but you guys have both seen it. I put that straight horizontal line across a sheet of paper, and then I make almost what looks like kind of an EKG or a radio wave that goes above and below the line, and that's our daily life. And our aim here is not to get so far off the line that it takes us four minutes to get back to balance. If we could stay on the line, well, first off, it would imply death, so that would be weird looking. But second, we would be working at peak efficiency. Which we probably will never really get. Just to give a a little shout out to a, a future podcast, that spot where we pass the line is where we, Peter Urban might have said, 
um, where we're in that Zen moment of zeal, energy, and nowness. Yes. And that is the place we want to be. But if you think about getting there, you can't get there. So you really just have to do the life that is in front of you, managing the different distractions the best you can. And maybe in reflection, you can see that that felt like a really nice moment. But you don't know when it's happening what it is, right? That's right. Okay. Do you guys have anything else on? Just to review, it was folds, loses control, and is efficient. Or he said self-controlled. Nice I don't think I have anything else on that right now. Okay, then. On we push. The last one I'm going to finish with is about kind of... Not unlike what Mario said in his letter, kind of like setting your own karate goals and and setting your own goals in life and getting things done. As a beginner, the person will not read. That's how he said it, will not read. I think with the advent of Google, people do read more, but not necessarily the best sources. That's true. Right. But I think the implication here is that they don't search out growth on their own will not read, in my mind, it implies they just wait for somebody to tell them something in the dojo. They don't search out the information. And when he wrote this book, searching out information, you you actually had to go to a library or to a newspaper. You didn't have Google screens to pop up in front of you. Exactly. Right. And then from there, it doesn't listen to others. And I think this relates to the earlier thing we said about how Um, People will, in the beginning of training, try to fight to to hang on to their weaknesses as opposed to really try to work their way out of those weaknesses, whatever they are. For example, when a karate teacher speaks to a student, the student's job is to say the word us, which we did a podcast on already, so you can search that out on your own. And the implication from that word is, I'm going to listen to what you say, sensei, and I'm going to see how that fits into my life. But oftentimes when you're talking to a beginning student, they will discuss why that won't work for them. It's like an automatic no comes right out of their mouth. Exactly. Door shut. And that's 18 months that might go on? For an adult? Okay. (laughs) All right. But don't be mean. 18 months is long enough. Okay. That's when we can start to open the door. And I do think this relates to a lot of the other podcasts because like we were saying in the character one about um, being honest with yourself, it's tricky. It's tricky business yes. to do that. And probably not as much laughter as I would like in this particular moment of this particular podcast because I see all serious faces, folks. When I'm looking around, I'm seeing all serious faces. Where he starts with will not read, and then he also r- writes, even as the person begins to grow, doesn't listen to others. And thinking that because you're at whatever part of karate you are, you know, and that you don't have to listen to others, although there is a wealth to be learned by listening to others. And that's where he finishes off with, learns from everything. And I think that's really the one that I I love that line, learns from everything. I have a story that a high school teacher told me that he was walking down a street in Fort Lauderdale, Florida one day, and he watched a home, and high school for me was a long time ago, and he watched a homeless man walking out of an alley. And when the man got to the edge of the alley in the street, he stopped, he turned around, and he tucked in his shirt before he came out onto the sidewalk. And what the literature professor said to me at the time was, this man had his own sense of dignity, and I got to witness that and learn from that 
I got to learn something from watching this man who another person would look at us and say, that man had nothing to teach me, but that wasn't true, was it? And that's a cool story that clearly affected me because it's stayed in my mind all this time. It's a beautiful story. And something to remember. Maybe I'll share another story, which I also like. I'm probably going to really mess this story up. So when I do, and you actually know the real way the story was told, you can write me. It's called The Verger. From what I understand, and you know what, Jackie? Search that for me, V-E-R-G-E-R. A verger was a person who worked in a church collecting um, the tins with the contributions in it and putting them in. Is that true? Do you know that? Oh, see? Bernadette knows. I don't know what it so, is. I'm hoping that's what it oh, is. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe she doesn't know. Jackie, Sensei Jackie's going to check that out for me. And this is a, an old story. It was told to me when I was in high school, but it's an old story from, like, um, Renaissance times. They changed the rules in the church, and in order to be a verger, you had to be able to write your name. So he couldn't read or write, so he lost his job. So he was heartbroken. Can you imagine the devastation? And he's walking down the street, and he's really wanting to smoke a cigarette, and there's no tobacco shop, so... He scrounges up a few dollars and he opens a tobacco shop. And when he goes to the bank to deal in the money, he writes an X because he doesn't read or write. And then he opens another one and another one and another one. And finally, one day he's at the bank and he's quite wealthy. The banker sees him write an X for his name. And he says, you don't know how to read or write? Oh, my God, what would you have been if you could read or write? And with a really sad face, the man says, a verger. I know now all of our hearts are like, oh, my God. It's a cool story because the whole point of the story is that there's something there for people to learn from. There's something out there to be learned every minute of every day if only you're paying attention to your life. All right, what's it say on the computer screen? That the verger is a church caretaker or attendant. Oh, okay. I wasn't too far off, so yay. I don't know the, the background on the story. I only know it was told to me in an English lit class one day, and it came, and it stayed in my head, which is... Really weird, because if you know me, then you know I have no memory. I have the worst memory in the world. I write every single thing down. Do you? Do you guys write most things down? Yes. In the past couple of years, yes. Yes, I write everything down, and and I'm the queen of post-it notes. So (laughs) I've always been this way. I've always been a forgetter. But interestingly, what you do remember goes to learns from everything. Well, it's interesting, the the selective things that my mind held all these decades later, right? I wonder if we all have that kind of selective memory. Oh, I'm sure we do. I'm positive that we do. So I really like this chart, and I really like this one that says, learns from everything. And let's just play a quick round robin of an unexpected place where you might learn something. And I'm going to go an animated film, right? You could learn something from an animated film. You sure could. Going to get your oil changed. I bet you could meet somebody interesting or even you had a cool mechanic who was going to talk to you about who the inner workings. Who tells you what's up. going on or shows you. Yeah. I had no idea what a hub bearing was <laughs> <laughs> until uh-huh. I had my oil changed last week. TMI, but okay. <laughs> I, I'm happy to report that I still don't know what a hub bearing is, but I suspect it's some sort of a little ball in the hub. I don't know, but it's $500 to have it changed, so I'm not sure exactly. It's within the, it is, of course, within the wheel. I thought of one, and it's not a very happy thought, but either a doctor's office or a hospital. Okay. Uh, or through sickness, you learn a lot. Yeah, you do. That isn't a very happy one. No. Well, but it can be. If you get well. If you get well. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh my god that was so sick <laughs> okay i'm gonna just jump ship completely and say i learned from that sitcom the big bang theory what schrodinger's cat was i had never heard of schrodinger's cat so i didn't know what it was and i'm just going to say if you don't know what it is google it because it'll come right up for you and I'm not going to even begin to spell Schrodinger, but that's just one thing out of one stupid daily sit-around watch thing that you do when you're going brain dead. And yet I learned something really interesting from it. I'm trying to think of any other cool examples. I think um, not growing up with a computer and then when somebody puts you in front of a computer and you have to start learning mm-hmm. and you start finding things out for yourself when you start exploring through the computer. That's a good example. You can learn a lot about yourself and about your learning style and about how you like to work by how you do things on the computer because there's always more than one way. I was going to say to skin a cat, but since we just went down the world of Schrodinger, I don't know if I should. All right, guys. This actually turned out to be a lot of fun, didn't it? Yes, it did. And always the takeaway is the same. We have control only over ourselves, not over the things that happen in our lives. We all want you to look up the chart either on our webpage or get the book, The Karate Dojo. Now, let's tell them the name of our webpage, Jackie, and how to get in touch with us, okay? Yes, uh, our webpage is wildcatdojo.com, and you can get in touch with us at dojoconversations at aol.com. Or on our Facebook page, Wildcat Dojo. Before we close, I was thinking that this might be a good time to mention, do you have a small or a large business and you would like to become a sponsor for us? How cool would that be? Yes. Hey, just get in touch. She just told you how. Say goodbye, guys. Bye. Bye, everybody. I'm Sensei Michelle signing off for today.